Hey, listen, tonight we have a privilege and an honor to have one of our friends of the house come and share the word with you today. And uh, But before I introduce him, I, I want to tell you, I was telling him earlier, I was... Uh, I was with a group of college kids from one of the Assembly of God universities, about 25 kids, and I'm, I'm doing a teaching, and then my phone rings, and it's our speaker tonight, Eric Hoffman, and so I go, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a quick lesson. I'll call you back, da-da-da, and then I hung up, and one of the students was like, who's that? I was like, oh, that's Eric Hoffman. He's the uh, uh, National Speed the Light Director for the Assemblies of God, and the guy's like, and he's calling you? I was like, oh, yeah, I knew him before he was a big deal. I knew Fat Eric. If you don't know Fat Eric, then you don't know Good Eric. And so I love the fact uh, this guy is literally, literally traveling the world, uh, doing some crazy things, um, really changing uh, what, what just is going on in the heart of missions within our country. But I also love the fact that he is part of our family, that he is part of our home. He is always welcome in this house and he's just Pastor Eric to us. And so, guys, would you give it up for Pastor Eric Hoffman? Hey, how are you guys doing? Okay, so listen, let me ask this question. If you've been a part of this youth ministry for the past five years, so if you've been here uh, from 2000, July 2014, stand up. All right, so what's what's neat is when I walk in here, like, you, it's okay, just want to chat with you. When I walk in here, like, and I've seen you guys grow up, like, I keep telling Pastor Joey, I know he feels old, but I feel old just walking in here and just seeing y'all. But thank you for allowing me to always be a part of your family. Like, I mean that truly from the bottom of my heart. This is home to my wife and I. Like, uh, you guys can be seated, but I, I'm always disappointed when it comes around and we're not a part of the, the Thanksgiving event that goes on here, P. Joey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't remind me. But... uh but tonight, you know, I, I'm going to share a word with you. I, I'm not going to, is it okay if I don't share about Speed the Light? All right, because like I, I know I'm the National Speed the Light Director, and, and I told Pete Joey, I'm like, man, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm, I'm about missions to out this week. Um, I started uh, last Wednesday in Michigan. I spoke on a Wednesday night. I spoke Friday at their youth convention. I left, spoke Sunday morning at a church, Monday night at a church, Tuesday night at a church, Wednesday night at a church, and now I'm here with you. So I went from Michigan to Texas, and I just flew into town today. And uh, God's doing some phenomenal stuff across the world, though, when it comes to missions. And I, I do want to share one thing, because I think it's important for you to know where we're going. Your family, so I can share this with you, right? Uh, God's just opening some amazing doors when it comes to Speed the Light. And if, if that's, I know it's not new to you, but, you know, we're used to Speed Light being transportation, communication, compassion ministries. Uh, but next year, we're taking on uh, a new partnership when it comes to Speed the Light, and we're partnering with a ministry called WorldServe. And we're raising $5 million through Speed Light next year to provide 100 clean water wells in Africa. So let me show you a video that we just had made up. You know, what's amazing is... As I think about the last five years, so if you if you and I have never met, so my journey in Illinois is a simple, P. Joey's right, I've known Pastor Joey for a lot of years, uh, I think it's safe to say 11 now, Joey, um, we've, we've traveled the world together, um, to Vietnam, it's like I, I think back of the relationship that I have with your youth pastor, but some of you in here, you have no idea who I am. Uh, there's nothing special about this guy. Like, you need to know it. Uh, I was a DYD here in Illinois, and all that meant was I was able to be a part of a big family, and now I'm part of a bigger family, being at the national office. My wife Liz is here with me tonight. 
we had three My son's 19. I still can't believe that. Uh, Matt's 19. Abby's 17. Emma's 13. Kids are growing up, you know, and, and ministry's happening. But I look back and I recognize that it happens because we come together and we're unified to see God move. Okay? And if you're here tonight, I, I just I want to just give you a little, just a little bit of advice before I get started tonight. The most important person in your life should be God, the Lord. Okay, and so many times what we've done, and I, like I, kind of, I kind of travel and I speak now with a, a little chip on my shoulder, uh, because I, my fear is that we've led students in such a way to where. You live a very shallow faith outside of our church buildings, and it was never meant to be that way, okay? That in that moment that when you come into this room and you say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, to be Lord means that he's your number one, that when you walk throughout your daily routine, that he is on your mind. When you speak, you speak the words that he wants you to speak. When you act, you act the way that he wants you to act. That's what it means to be the Lord of your life. And the difficulty for me is as I travel the nation, I see that we are dealing with a generation of students that have no understanding what the Bible is. Okay? No clue. So tonight, the word that I bring to you is based 100% on God's word, the Bible. God wrote the book. Okay? I, I need you to hear me. God wrote the Bible from beginning to end. That's my stance. So everything I say to you, whether you're new, this is your first night here, you've never heard about Jesus, like my stance is based on the word of God. Okay, God wrote the book, and in that book, Jesus uses words like this, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So in thinking of the words that are in our heart eventually flows from our lips, that, that words reflect what's in our heart. If God wrote the book and they're God's words, then what's in God's word reflects God's heart. Okay, you, you understand that? And then I think of who God is. Okay, God was the beginning and God is the end. So therefore, God is timeless, so his word is also timeless. So no matter what we read in God's word, it is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago. You, you with me? Okay, and if God is and God was and God will be, there's no other like him and God is truth then if God's word represents his heart, then his word is truth. You, you tracking with me so far? Okay, because I'm going somewhere. Okay, the, the sticky part is this. We can take any single question that we have, and we can open up God's word that represents his heart because it's timeless and truthful, and we can get truth from it. But the problem is, is sometimes we open up God's word to find truth, and our opinion gets in the way. Because your opinion isn't truth. Your opinion is what you want, what you desire, what you need. It's not truth. So many times we live our lives in such a way to where we allow our, our opinions to dictate to us what truth is. But truth is truth and God's word is always truth. I can remember being 17 years of age. First, first time I ever went to youth camp in the Pennsylvania, Delaware district. And there was a pastor, evangelist, Johnny Jernigan was his name, and he spoke these words, and I'll never forget them. He said, if I base my life on what other people think, I can never win because they can change their minds. But if I base my life on what God thinks, I can never lose because he never changes. Okay. We take what we think 
the Bible should say, and we allow that to dictate our lives and our actions instead of taking what the Bible actually says and living our life out accordingly. Okay, so I'm looking for a generation as I travel across the nation, like I'm looking for young people who truly desire to read God's word and take it for what it is, truth, and live your life that way. And tonight, I want to take one question to the word of God, and I want to ask that question and allow the word to speak to us. And that question is something that I think impacts every single person in this room tonight, no matter if you're a young person or a leader. The question is, God, what does your word say about the power of my words? Okay, what does the Bible say about my words? Because words have creative ability. Okay, how did God create the world? He spoke and the world came into being. There's power in words. Whether you write them down, text them, post them, or speak them out loud. There's a saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me, right? It's an absolute lie. Words can hurt. Like I watch right now on Facebook, and I, Pastor Joey and I were talking, like I get so turned up when I, see, when I see stupidity happening on a social network, okay? It really, like whatever you post has power, okay? And tonight I want to discuss with you what the Bible says about our words because words matter and words are powerful. Listen to what King Solomon, the wisest of all kings in the Bible says. He says in Proverbs 18:21, words kill, words give life. They are either poison or fruit you choose. Okay? They're poison. So hearing this, I I want to share with you three truths tonight when it comes to the power of our words. Truth number one, our words are directional. Our words are, they're never neutral. They're always going in one direction or another. Words either kill or bring life. They're either fruit or poison. And Solomon says, you choose. There's power in our words. Words, our words will lead us in one of two directions, life or death. In scripture, James chapter 2, verse 2 through 6 says these Words, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Let me just pause there for a second. And when I read that verse right there, that if we could just control our tongues, let that sink in, that we could control ourselves in every other way. That if we could just control the things that we say, that we could control ourselves in every other way. When I read God's word, God puts in his word exactly what he desires for you and I to hear. And does that mean if we could control what we speak, that we can control the things that we allow into our life as well? Because we all deal with sin in our lives, amen? Right? We all deal with it. But James is saying if we would only be able to control our tongues, we could possibly control ourselves in every other way. Let's not be so quick to skip over those words. Why? Because our tongue, though small, it controls a lot of power. He goes on and says this in chapter 3, verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest 
on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. James is saying, hey, your tongue, it's powerful. Your words have power. He's describing that our words in our mouth may be small, but it has power to guide, direct, and steer our lives. We need to feel the weight of our words. Every time I go home, and I can be transparent because my wife's in the room, okay, every time I go home, I feel the weight of my, my word. You know, I'm just tired at times. I'm grouchy, and I don't think, and I speak. Any of you ever, have ever done that? Have you ever put something on Facebook or Snap or Tweet or Insta that you regret two minutes after you put it up, right? We need to control because our words can bring death. Our words can deflate, okay? And we don't even realize it when we're doing it. Our words matter to our families and our friends and our communities. But how many of you have ever had hurtful words that were spoken to you? Right? Raise your hand. Come on. Some of you in this room, you can remember words that were spoken to you that were hurtful from five years ago, ten years ago. Okay? Say amen. Like, okay, I can remember I was 12 years of age, 12. I was riding my bicycle down a country road. I hit some loose gravel. I swerved, and I wrecked into a fence post. Okay? Realize immediately that I was missing part of my front tooth. Triangle knocked out, right side, right here. Went to the dentist. Back then, dentists did not have the capability that they have today. You should be happy of technology. Someone say amen. All right. So they put a bond on my tooth. It looked fake. It was a different color. But just a week after that, my younger sister decided that she was going to take a Nintendo controller and use it as a lasso. And she did this through the air. And she let it go. And it came and it flew and it hit me straight in the face. And I realized that something fell out of my mouth. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it was that piece of bond, that fake tooth that they just put in there to fix a tooth that I, that, that I broke off just a week earlier. But it wasn't. It was my other front tooth. Okay? And it was the bond as well. So I had a triangle on this front tooth going this way, and I had a triangle on this front tooth going this way, and it looked like I had the Illuminati in my teeth. Okay? Now, I know what you're thinking, but it wasn't fun growing up when your teeth were always falling out. Okay? So people started calling me Chipper everywhere I went. Yo, Chipper, what's up? Yeah, you feel bad for me, don't you? You should. Like, I canceled dates over this. I'd be sitting in the lunchroom eating an apple, and they told me not to eat apples, but I just liked apples, and I'd take a bite, and all of a sudden my, my tooth would fall out. I can remember my senior year playing baseball. It was the only game that I ever hit a home run over the fence, and I remember it was, it, it was just like yesterday because that same day at lunch, my tooth fell out my right side. Everyone was calling me chipper. Man, I hit that ball over the left field fence, and as I'm rounding third base, the head coach looks at me and goes, man, that was a great hit, chipper. <laughs> Words hurt. 
Like, it's, it's funny now when you look back, but every time, like, you would just get deflated. And then you have no idea what it's like growing up in the 80s and 90s and your mom's name being Roxanne. Some of you have no idea what that is. There was a song about her. Roxanne! Like, every, and it wasn't a good song. Okay, it was a terrible song, and they would make fun of my mom. And I remember, like it was yesterday, words hurt. But I also remember when my family said hurtful things to me. Okay, words are directional. They either bring life or death. When they bring death, we always remember them. But words also bring life. You can find freedom in words. As I travel, like I just, I can't deal with rude people. I just, it drives me nuts when people think that things are owed to them, okay? I go from one airport to another. The worst job in the world is to be a flight attendant, okay? I'm telling you, like, I, I go up to them and I say, listen, ma'am, I'm a pastor and I thought that was bad, but your job is way worse than mine. And I just see the way that people, one day this guy just was berating this lady in front of me and it wasn't anything that she, because apparently she can control the weather, Okay, and he just and I just watched her. She was deflated. She teared up and I went up and just immediately by kindness and generosity, you could change the situation. I, I read these words about famous inventor Thomas Edison. And it wrecked me. Listen to this. When Thomas Edison was younger, he was given a note from a teacher to give to his mom. When he arrived home that afternoon, he handed the note to his mother He had no idea what was written by the teacher to his mom. So as his mom opened the letter, his curiosity grew. As his mom's eyes began to scroll over the letter, her eyes filled up with tears. She read the letter out loud to Thomas, and here's what the word said. Your son is a genius. This school is too small and does not have enough teachers to adequately teach him. It would be better if he were to stay home and be taught by you. Sure enough, Edison stayed home, and his mother taught him, and she opened his mind to all of the outside possibilities, and Edison grew into the genius that we now benefit from daily. After his mother's death, it's said that Thomas Edison was cleaning out his mother's dresser, and he came upon the letter that was written by that teacher so many years ago. As he opened the letter, he immediately noticed that the words that were actually written on the note compared to the words his mother shared with him were completely different. On the note, he read these words. Your son is mentally ill. He cannot attend this school anymore. Please keep him home. In his journal, you can read that after reading this, Thomas Edison wrote that he spent hours crying over these words that were written about him many years before. But his next journal entry was this. Thomas Edison was a mentally ill child that by his hero mother became a genius of his century. Our words are steering and directing people. Words either bring life or death. They're directional. Secondly, words consume everything that is around me both intentionally and unintentionally. When I think of that word consume, I can't hope to think of anything but fire. Okay? I can remember being 13 years of age, growing up in southwest Pennsylvania. I mean, we were hicks. I'm just going to let you know. Okay, there was one place in town where you could buy tires. It was Essie's Tire Shop on Route 51. Everyone knew where Essie's was. 
everybody, if you were anybody who was anybody, you knew Essie's not because of the tires they sold, but behind their building, they had a giant mound of used tires. It looked like a mountain of, of just used tires. And then all of a sudden, we're sitting in my living room watching TV, and across the television screen comes breaking news. Fire at Essie's Tire Shop. Someone decided that they were going to light a match to that mountain of used tires. So like any American family growing up in the 80s, we did what anyone else would do. My dad looked at us and said, get in the car, we're driving down to Essie's. We get in the car, it was about a 15-minute drive. And I can remember coming over a hill and you just saw this. It was nighttime, but there was this big black plume of black smoke. Okay, you could smell the burnt rubber. Okay, and as we got closer, it was a four-lane highway. We were on the northbound lane. This was on the southbound lane, the fire was, and you could just feel the heat coming off this blaze. Now, what's crazy is not only the building, it was not only the building that was affected by that fire, but there were homes near in the vicinity of that fire that had vinyl siding, and the vinyl siding was melted off of those homes. Because fire consumes not only what is near it, but also the things that are around it. Our words are the same exact way. That even though you think that the things that you're saying to someone that could be hurtful to just that person, it hurts others in that circle. When I was 14 years of age, I can remember, no, sorry, when I was... 10 years, so this was fourth grade, I meant to say fourth grade, I can remember my uncle coming to my elementary school to pick up my brother, my sister, and I, just out of the blue. We got the call, you know, the call of the intercom, can Steve and Eric and Stephanie Hoffman please report to the office? We all walk in, we knew something was up, we just didn't know what was up. My uncle looks at us and he goes, hey, your mom sent me to come pick you up. We're like, hey, what's going on? He said, oh, she's going to tell you when, when we get home. We didn't go home, though. We went to my grandmother's house. And as we were sitting around the kitchen table, my parents proceeded to tell us that our house caught on fire and that everything inside it was gone. It was about a week later that we finally got to do a walkthrough through our home. Now, at this time, I was a big WWF fan. Any of you know what WWE? It's WWE now, I think. It's, it's like soap operas and wrestling mixed in one. All right? <laughs> If I could describe it, I mean, that's really what it is. But I had a favorite wrestler at the time. His name was Jake the Snake Roberts. Anyone ever heard of Jake the Snake? He always carried his big python around his neck. All right. But I had a stuffed animal, and it was a snake, and his name was Jake the Snake. It was my favorite stuffed animal. I know, it's so cute, right? I mean, come on. But when we walked in my house, I could remember the first thing that I wanted to find was Jake the Snake. And I walked into my bedroom, and I can remember it was just black. It smelled so bad. But I noticed that our closet doors were shut. When I opened up the closet doors, all of our clothes were still hanging on the hangers, untouched. And there on the ground in my closet was Jake the snake. I was so happy. I took that thing to Grandma's house that night. I remember laying in her basement on the air mattress holding Jake the snake, but I could not stand the smell. The smoke got to it, okay? Words consume everything around them just like fire. 
It does not have to be in the vicinity. I need to tell you that this is an example of our words consuming everything and everybody around. Hurtful words especially. But like fire, fire can be hurtful. It can also be helpful. Okay, Fire is used to heat homes. Fire is used to clean uh, fields out. Fire is helpful. It all depends on how it's contained. It all depends on how it's contained. We choose our words, and if our words are contained, they can be completely healthy. But if they're not contained, they carry great power that can destroy. If you think of it this way, how many of you, is there anyone in here that ever grew their hair, hair out for locks of love? Okay. Okay. I'm gonna, how long did it take you to grow your hair? Okay, but how long did it take you to grow it out to donate it? How many years? Okay, so two years, how long did it take for them to take it off? Five minutes. So it took her two years to grow out her hair to shave it off in five minutes. Do you know relationships are the same way? Like we spend all this time trying to build them up, build those friendships up. And just one thing that we can say in an act of anger or bitterness, we can destroy years of friendship over lack of control. It's all about how we contain it, okay? And it's like toothpaste, okay? Think of it this way. If you had a tube of toothpaste in your hand and you squeezed it and that toothpaste came out of that tube, no matter how hard you tried putting that toothpaste back inside that tube, you're not going to be able to do it. Some of you are like, I'm going to go home and try that tonight. Go for it. You're going to have minty fresh fingers or whatever flavor you use because you will not get it back in there. Okay? Once it's out, it's out. Okay? God desires for us to contain the words that we have within. Why? Because the words are directional. Words are all-consuming. And thirdly, words reveal what's in your heart. Jesus didn't come to monitor our behavior. He came to get our heart. His words are there to change our heart. Luke 6 says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is in our heart directly impacts the first two truths, the direction and what it consumes. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. Surely what pops out before the man has time to put on a disguise is the truth. If there are rats in the cellar, you are most likely to see them if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. In the same way, the suddenness of the irritation does not make me an ill-tempered man. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I am. Because the rats are always there in the cellar. Brings me back to when I was 13 years of age. I had a, a sleepover for my 13th birthday party. Okay, it was like we were like the Goonies. It was me and six of my buddies. We stayed at my grandma's house because we knew we could sneak out that night. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, you were a troublemaker. No, I'm going to tell you how redneck I am right now. Okay, we had a plan. We were going to go tic-tac in that night. 
Does anyone know what tic tacking is? Oh, uh, Joey, I'm, I'm showing my stripes right now, bro. Okay, tic tacking is when you take an ear of corn after it dries out and you shuck the corn off of it and you get all the little corn pieces. And you fill up your pockets and you fill up bags and you go and you find homes that have aluminum siding and you throw the corn off the side of their house and take off running. Some of you are like, yeah, that's, that's totally right. That's what we did. It was either that or cow tipping where I was from. Okay. So we had a plan and we were going to get on our bikes and a buddy of mine, Craig Diamond, says, hey, you know the barn right down the road from your grandmother's house? I work there, and down in the basement is where the farmer keeps all the dried corn. We can go there, and there's an automatic shucker there. True story. We're like, I'm like, let's go. So we get on our bikes. We go down the road. We go into this barn, okay? And we didn't want to turn on our flashlights because we didn't want people to know that we were there, which is a stupid idea because we were in the middle of nowhere, but I can remember walking down these steps, Pastor Joey, and I got to the bottom and I heard this noise. And you know when, when you're in the dark, you really can't see, but you can see just enough? This was that moment where I was able to see just enough. The entire floor was moving. Turn that flashlight on, and there were so many rats in that barn. Do you know that the moment that we shine light on the rats, the rats scattered? Okay, and for some of you in here tonight, there's words that you're holding on to that are inside your heart, okay, that are like those rats just hiding, waiting for light to be shine on, sh- shown on them. Okay, for some of you in this room tonight, you've had things spoken over you that you've been holding on to that you're unable to move forward because of when you see a person, it's a, you're, you're brought back to that moment that they spoke that over you and you just have not let go of it. For some of you, you've been the person who've spoken those words. Okay, and tonight it's time to release the rats. The only thing that releases the rats of the words that have hurt you in your life or the words that you have said that have hurt others is when you reflect on it, when you release it, and when you respond by praise. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I brought some index cards. And we have some pens. Because I believe that when we hide things, they linger in the heart. That we can't move on. And, and, and words are one of those things that I, when I look at the generation of teenagers that are before us, man, P. Joey and I, we've been doing this a lot of years now. There's so much potential in you. But not if you're holding hurt and bitterness in your heart. You, you can't move away from it. And the problem is, is so many of you have based your life off of the opinions of man, not on what God thinks about you. Okay, so in these moments, as you're writing these words, I want you to begin to think and ask God, what do you think about me? Well, some of you wouldn't even know because you don't read your Bibles. So how could you possibly know what God thinks of you? So before you reflect, let me share with you what God thinks about you. And this is coming from King David, who was an adulterer, a murderer, and a liar. And God still called him a man after his own heart. David says, God, investigate my life and get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you even from a distance. You know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back, I'm never out of your sight. 
You know everything I'm going to say before I say the first sentence. I look behind me, and you're there. Then up ahead, and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit to be out of your sight? If I climb up to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You'd already be there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark at night. I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Listen to these words. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking, body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. What's this mean? This means that God is absolutely crazy about you. That if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. That if God had a wallet, your photo would be in it. If he had a Facebook, you'd be his status. Okay? You'd be the story on his Instagram. Like, God is absolutely nuts about you, but the problem is, is we allow the opinions of man to formulate the way that we feel inside, and they become rats that linger in the cellar. That we all have words that have been directional, and they've hurt, or we've spoken words that have hurt others, and they've consumed people, not in the way that we intended it to, but we didn't contain it. And it reflects, really, what's in here. So tonight... I'm going to give you an opportunity to write it down. Just you and him. No one's going to read it. But if there's things that have been spoken in your life that just sit in your heart, they hurt, you're bitter. Tonight's a night to walk out of this door without those words in your life ever again. Okay? We reflect. By reflecting, we write. Then we're going to release. After you write, we're going to release. And once you release, you don't get to take those words back. And then you respond with praise. So if there's something in your life, if there's things that have been spoken to you that have hurt, if you've spoken words that have hurt others, I want to invite you to come forward tonight and grab a card and just take a few moments and just write. Come on, respond. Come forward. Grab an index card. Pens are here. take a few moments don't write a novel but I want you to be truthful Come on, this is your moment to air the laundry of your heart onto paper.
sometimes it really helps when we just put it down. This is reflection. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to this room, to these young people, to these leaders. God, we all deal with things in our life. God, words that have hurt. God, words that we have spoken that have hurt others. God, but I pray that the rats of our hearts would no longer hold the, the keys to control of our thoughts, of our lives. God, that freedom would break loose in this room tonight. God, as students and leaders reflect right now. God, that raw honesty would be written out on this paper before them. Thank you. words that were spoken to you do not define you. You were not an accident. You were not mass produced. You're, you're not an assembly line product. You were deliberately planned, specifically gifted, and lovingly positioned on this earth. You're not an accident. God thinks about you all the time. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you and wants the best for your life. The words on that paper does not define you. You are who he says that you are. You always were. You always will be. But if I base my life on what other people think, I can never win because they can change their minds. But if I base my life on what God thinks, I can never lose because he never changes. And if he never changes, neither does the way he thinks about you. So the next step to this process, as you've reflected, is to come forward and release it. Okay, but if you come forward and release it, the key to releasing something is by the way you respond to it. You hear me? The key to releasing something is by the way you respond to it. And you have to respond with praise. Okay, you have to respond by thanking him. Thanking him for loving you. 
thanking him for chasing you, thanking him for never giving up on you, thanking him for the sunrise that we see every morning and the star show that we see every evening, thanking him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what it means to respond in praise. So if you're ready to release and respond with praise, I'm going to ask you to come up, release it on the platform, and then stay here and respond in praise. We're not going to sing, I want you to use your words, and I want you to praise him tonight. Come on. Release, respond in praise. So I want you to hear this, all right, because I know it's getting late. Hear what I'm about to say. When you go home, the people who have said the hurtful words to you may still be there. When you go to your campus tomorrow, the people who have said hurtful words to you, they're still going to be there. Okay. That doesn't change. What changes is our response. Okay. Please hear me. The reason why we need to know how God feels about us is because it changes our response. Okay. Because words of man are only opinions. It's not truth. It's not who God says that you are. It's not who God says that you will be. Okay, if we look to his word and ask God who God says that we are, then the words of man can never influence us again. You hear me tonight? Like, I'm just, it's so important for me to get this generation to see that, that that when you look in the mirror and you see something that God never intended you for see because God doesn't see what you see. He only sees beauty and perfection. Okay? We allow opinions to dictate what we see, not what God sees. Okay? Men, when we think that we can't do certain things and we can't conquer certain things and we hear certain things and we apply certain, we apply it certain ways, that's not who God says that you are, man of God. It's opinions. Okay? And you cannot come up here and release something to him and respond in praise and then walk out of this room believing that nothing's going to change. Who's God say that you are? You're beautifully and wonderfully made. Darkness is not dark to him. He's a light. You can't hide from him. He's out before you. He's waiting for you before you even get there. He saw who you were going to be as you were being knit in your mother's womb. God knows you better than anyone. You're never alone. He's always beside you. So live life knowing that's true. Lift your hands up tonight. Father, I thank you and I praise you tonight, God, for the work that you've done. God, I see the cards before me, and I pray... God, that the moment that these students release these on this platform, God, that they're gone. That they understand that these words do not define them. God, that your word, which is truth, defines who they are. God, that you're crazy about them. God, that if you had a refrigerator, their picture would be on it. And if you had a wallet, their photo would be in it. God, that your social network would be all about them because you want the best for their life. And you, you look at them and you see a wonderful creation, God, that you had a hand and being the sculptor in. And God, I pray right now, God, that they would not forget this moment. God, that they walk out of this room victorious tonight, knowing, God, that they are who you say that they are. 
God, that no longer will they base their opinions on what man thinks, but they will base their opinions of what God thinks. Father, we thank you and we praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Joey. Hey, can we give it up for God real quick? I just, I love the way God times things out, right? It's just in his timing, in his wisdom, he says what needs to be said. And it doesn't matter who has the microphone because ultimately it is God who's speaking to your heart. And I love, I love that he mentioned that you still got to go back, all right? You still got to go back to the realities of life, but you don't have to go back the same way. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, somebody might say the very thing you wrote down to you again tonight. Before you even go to bed, somebody might put that out there. And I just want to challenge you with a couple of things. Some of those people you can't get rid of, right? Honestly, some of them are family. Some of them are people that you got to live with. But there are others that you are allowing to stay beyond their welcome. And you have to be bold enough to understand this relationship or this person or even, you know, these people on my social media. I just don't have room for that anymore. I love you, but listen, even for me, there are people that they're just so negative. I'm like, I don't, I just, your posts bring me down, man. And you just, everything sucks to you, and I just don't want to read that all the time. And so, you know how we do now. We don't totally block, and we just, like, unfollow them. <laughs> Which, uh, thank God for the unfollow button, because there's just, like, I just don't want to read that. But garbage in, garbage out. And so if you allow yourself to take some of that in, you're inviting these kind of negativities into your life. And so you got to understand, we talked about a holy God, right? Let his voice be the only voice that matters. And sometimes that means shutting up voices that shouldn't be speaking into your life anymore. All right, so I want to challenge you. If you got to make some decisions on some relationships, and here's the thing, a lot of times we say this, I don't want to hurt their feelings. So what, they're hurting yours? Like, why does that matter to you so much? Right? Oh, well, you know, it's just how it is. No, it isn't. It's not how it has to be. Okay? And so do what you got to do to make sure that God's voice is the loudest and the clearest in your life. And surround yourself with people who echo the things that the Lord says. Who are going to encourage you the way the Lord encourages you. Who are going to challenge you the way God challenges you. Because you have the right to filter friendships. You just got to be wise enough and bold enough to do it. Amen? God bless you guys. Hey, one more thing I need to say. Um, we are, I think, over capacity now with momentum. I think we're over 80 people. Uh, going, our bus only holds 55, so I have to figure out how we're going to do this. Uh, with that said, if you brought everything today and you plan to go, there's a little bit of a waiting list. that we're, I'm trying to see if I can get some more hotel rooms and figure some stuff out. And so please, if you plan to register, still turn in your stuff. Uh, we're we're going to try to see if we can squeeze you in, but unfortunately, we're, we're kind of at that point, which is why I said for weeks, sign up. Uh, but can I tell you something? This is my favorite problems. I'll, I'll work on this all day long rather than cancel a trip because nobody's going. And so I praise God that we're going to do this. And I believe this is the beginning, what we did tonight, of what God is trying to prepare your heart for, for what you're going to receive next weekend at Momentum. Amen. So come on, would you give God a big hand clap of praise as we close out?
Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless them. Bless us on our way home. God, bless Pastor Eric and Liz and their ministry, Lord, that you will always be with them, that you will give them rest, that you will provide for their children, that you will give them many, many more blessings, Lord, that their future will be even greater than their past, God. And we thank you for everything that you've done. And more importantly, God, we thank you for their friendship, God. We thank you that they do this not out of obligation or because they're looking to get something out of it, simply because they love you. And they love your people. So, Lord, thank you for our friends. And thank you for everyone in this room. May we go home safe and sound. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow in small groups.